My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Okay, y'all, I am very excited about today's guest interview. I'm talking to someone who's been in the yoga industry for more than two decades. She's the owner of Rome Yoga Retreats, certified in a variety of yoga styles, including a Pilates-based high-intensity interval training that she teaches to other fitness professionals. Please welcome to the Healthy Brain Podcast, my good friend, Cheryl Anthony Alexander. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad to have you on the show. You are just precious to me. I am thrilled to be here, and you, your whole family, and your mission are precious and important to me forever and ever. Oh, thank you so much. Well, girl, we go way back. Very way back. So childhood days, right? Yes, yes. Hey, your daddy was a pastor at the First Baptist Church in Port Natchez, Texas. Let's give a little shout out to Brother Tony and all our friends out in Port Natchez, Texas. Anyway, so Cheryl, let's start out with you sharing with our listeners a little bit about your upbringing. Well, as Carrie just mentioned, um, my upbringing is rather unique in that I was born into a Baptist minister's family. My daddy was always, for my whole life, the pastor of the biggest church in town, no matter where we lived. And my mom had a very unique role as the pastor's wife. And if you are anywhere close to being familiar with that sort of uh, role and lifestyle, then you know that it's it comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation. And um, that trickles down not only from, you know, the pulpit, but to the pastor's wife, whose life is probably the hardest life of anyone I know. And, and and into the lives of the children. Um, in fact, there's like a whole like cultural level of, you know, a PK. You've heard of the term PK preacher's kid or pastor's kid. And, um, and so I'm one of those. And uh, my mother took her role very seriously. Obviously, my father was uh, successful at what he did. Um, he was a shepherd to a flock of, you know, most of the time, a few thousand people and taking care of other people's families and other people's problems was his job. And so my mom, then her role was to make sure that our family was, you know, representative of my father's job. And so I knew from a very young age that every single thing we did was a reflection on my father and our church. And then beyond that, what people thought of Jesus Christ and of God, you know, we, we were like ripples in a big pond that ultimately led to heaven. So that's what my upbringing was like is a lot. So, you know, we have, um, talked in length before about our moms Mm -hmm. on several occasions 
and some of the similarities that they've had. Um, most of my listeners know about the doctors placing my mom on 17 prescription drugs. But would you, can you talk to us a little bit about your mama and what she endured over the years? Yeah. So as I mentioned, the pressures of being a pastor's wife are profound. And I think that there's a lot of research that's been done on that particular role in society. Absolutely. You know, I can't speak uh, professionally to those numbers, but um I know what happened in our family was that, you know, my mom had to internalize a lot. No matter what she was feeling, she had to think of, you know, what was going on in the larger realm beyond just, you know, our family to the church family. And that manifest in really, really profound ways um, in her both mental and emotional and physical body, because I'm sure that most of your listeners realize that the ailments of the physical body typically begin as a result of life experiences, emotion, and stress that we don't... um, let go of things that we hold on to manifest in the physical body. Um, and so that I think is what happened in my mom's life. Um, she felt the pressures of being a pastor's wife did not have in those days, people didn't really go to see a therapist or, you know, talk about like we do these days, the things that bother us or that weight us down. Um, it just wasn't done. And so she internalized all that, and as a result, from the from my earliest memories, I remember that my mom had really bad headaches, migraine headaches. The migraines would be debilitating. They would, I mean, I can remember if my mom got a bad headache, we knew that we had to behave in a certain way, yeah. She would go, and maybe she might be in bed for three days, the lights had to be out. You couldn't even really sit on the bed. She would feel if you were like moving around, she would feel that energy. And so it was, you know, it affected our whole family. What I didn't realize then that I began to realize later was that, you know, the doctors were prescribing her some really, really strong medications. I know the names of some of them. I don't know the names of all of them. What I do know now is that they were opioids, you know, that had, uh, that changed our family and that changed the course of my mother's life and the life of our family. When I was young, I didn't realize anything, but that she was, she had a headache and was, and that she was going to take medicine and that she would probably, probably be inaccessible for, you know, maybe three two or three or four days at a time. Did you know what opioids were? No, okay. I didn't know anything yeah. except that she had a headache and she yeah. had to take and her she medicine. Was meds. Yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't know that they were addictive, obviously. No, and I don't know that she knew. And this went on for how many years? Oh my, till till she died. Mm. Till she died in 2013. From the time I have earliest memories, and I don't. I think that maybe her. Headaches were not only a result of like stresses of her life. I don't want to, she loved her role as a pastor's wife. She Mm -hmm. thrived in that role and people respected her and loved her 
dearly. So I don't want to say that the stresses of her life as a pastor's wife were too much. They weren't. She loved that part of her life. I think that a lot of it maybe had to do with her genetics and maybe maybe drugs that she was given during her pregnancy. Um, I know that she took DES, which was a drug that they gave women back in the 60s and 70s who were threatening to miscarry. And that drug not only affected the women who ingested it, but it also affected the reproductive systems of the offspring. And so, you know, there, there are a variety of reasons why she was, she began having migraines, but I know that what the doctors gave her for the migraine headaches was really long lasting and fatal effect. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So Cheryl, did you realize what was going on with your mom and, and what it was leading to? Well, as a kid, no. And you know what, truthfully, not until after my mom's passing in 2013, when I was, you know, in my early 50s, Mm-hmm. Actually, in, in 2013, I was 50 years old. I really didn't understand that opioids had control of my mom's life and the life of my family for all these years. I did not understand it. I saw a commercial on TV where a young female had been addicted to opioids and had been convicted and come to a realization of what was happening to her life and wanted to change it. So she allowed a documentary team to videotape her coming off the opioids. In in other words, her withdrawal. And they played that video in Times Square, on the big screen in Times Square. And they played commercials of it, snips of it as a commercial to uh, alert the public as as a public service announcement about the opioid crisis. And I saw this young girl hunched over a toilet, vomiting, and I realized that's what was happening to my mom. That my mom wasn't suffering those symptoms because she was having a migraine. My mom was suffering those symptoms because she was coming off her prescription medications that the doctors had given her and that she would not be what she termed and my dad and what my sister and I understood as well until she ingested some more opioids or continued to be severely, severely ill and in unimaginable pain 
because I saw what my mom went through, going through withdrawal. My dad saw it. My sister saw it. It affected all of us for days upon days upon days. Not only would she be confined to the bed, out of commission because she was drugged, out of commission because she was going through withdrawal. It was a vicious, vicious cycle. I can remember several times where she went into the hospital and would go through assisted withdrawal. But then eventually she would get another prescription from somebody. It was a vicious, vicious cycle. And that's when I knew what had happened really to my mom and her life. She was poisoned and her internal organs quit functioning because they were completely paralyzed by the drugs that she had been addicted to for years and years and years and years for as long as I can remember. You know, some people might judge us from the outside and say that, you know, my father was, you know, he facilitated her illness. But in my father's eyes, he didn't want my mom to be in pain. He 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 was doing what he thought the doctors were prescribing. I don't think either one of them, and I, I know for certain, because listen, both my parents' hearts were the heart of the Heavenly Father. And both my parents' deepest desire was to reflect Christ on this earth. And so I know that for both of them, neither of them would have made the choice to foster addiction or prolong addiction. They didn't, I I really honestly believe that they did what they felt like the doctors were leading them to do. Yes. And so it's just, it's all too common and it is a, an epidemic in our country. Your family has experienced the effects of overprescription. My family who from the outside, everyone probably thought we were like to be envied, but there's no, you can't judge any family. You can't judge any person. You know, every everybody is susceptible to this sort of crisis, and that's exactly what it is. I understand. Yeah, huge crisis of overprescribed medications. That's the whole point, and that's why we're here talking about it. Yeah, almost half of the U.S. adults over the age of 65, or on five or more medications. It's insane. So, you know, I mean, I I was reading articles the other day, and and in October 2019, the New York Times wrote an article about a doctor who prescribed 500,000 doses of opiates in two years and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. May 2019 article from the United States Department of Justice reads, two North Texas doctors and one nurse sentenced to prison for illegal distribution of opiates. I mean, the list goes on. Since 1999, more than 700,000 people in the U.S. have died of drug overdoses, mostly driven by an increase in opiate-related deaths. My mom is one of them. So what kind 
of change would you like to see in your lifetime in reference to the opioid crisis? Well, first of all, charging doctors with prescribing the medications is like arresting the street dealers who peddle marijuana. Mm. Okay, so McKesson Pharmaceuticals was recently convicted of, you know, overdistribution of opioids. The FDA charged them, they were convicted, and they were fined three and a half million dollars, which is a joke. Absolutely agree. Three and a half million dollars is like one day's worth of sales to McKesson Pharmaceuticals. Now, are we talking about last year? Yeah. April. Yeah. In the April 20th. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. For the very first time. First time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's nothing to a pharmaceutical no. company. What they, what I'd like to see happen, you know, in, in, uh, in addition to, tighter controls on mm-hmm. how the drugs are prescribed, which, you know, that, you know, hold the doctors accountable for who gets the drugs. Like you have to, you, you should have to jump through hoops to get an opioid, an opioid prescribed. That's where we can count on the doctors and hold the doctors accountable. Mm-hmm. Like you should have to like go through a lot to even get your hands on an opioid but if you really, 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 really want to make a dent, you ha- you need to go after the CEO of McKesson Pharmaceuticals. Listen, he knows on a daily basis how much money is coming in and where it's coming from. Yes. And let me tell you this. If there are 20 times more opioids going to one region or one town, not even a city, one town in the Appalachian Mountains, three times, four times, ten times the population of that town, that's a big red flag. Yeah. You don't need a CEO to determine there's something going on with the drugs being distributed to that tiny little place when there's not even enough people there to absorb that amount of drug. It's insane. So the CEO knows where the drugs are going, how much of the drugs are going to that place, what the population is of that place, who the doctors are in that place. If you really want to hold someone accountable, put the CEO of McKesson Pharmaceuticals in jail for 40 years, not the doctor. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so, you know, we could talk about this forever, right? Yeah. I mean, it drives us crazy. You know, you and I, we've had multiple discussions about this. But we've got to move forward. Yes. So let's talk yoga now, girl, and the role it's played in healing your mind, body, and spirit. Because let's face it, we could all use a little help in all three of those areas. 
I discovered yoga in 1999, and if you knew me before 1999, you know that I was just a hot mess, really, just completely absorbed with the external world, you know, feeding, you know, all of my external senses, and I just, I I didn't understand, I didn't understand the mind, the body, the spirit, even though I was raised in a Christian home, you know, I, I, it didn't come together to me. And so until I found yoga, so I tell people all the time, my path to God is through Jesus Christ and through yoga, because in both of those arenas, my spirit comes alive. Um, for many, many years, my spirit was dead inside my body, even though I was raised in a Christian home. When I found yoga and really began to discover my breath, which is my spirit, i.e. the Holy Spirit inside of me, that's when my spirit reignited. I woke up. I was awakened and found my way back to God. So that's how important it is to me. My my yoga practice literally connects me to God just like Jesus Christ. It's as important to me. I I find God through the power of my breath and through my movement and moving my breath through my body in my yoga practice. That's the importance that it serves in my life. For any yoga practitioner, for anybody who's experienced probably even one yoga class, you immediately become aware of your breath inside your skin. And that's the whole purpose of yoga is to enlarge the physical body because the the spirit, the Holy Spirit inside the skin, inside the temple of the human body brings life. There is no life without the spirit, without the breath inside the body. There's no life. Okay. Aside from yoga, How do you maintain the spine? So you maintain the quality of your spine by a variety of methods. Um, You know, breathing exercises are one. Uh, Meditation is another. And nutrition, all right? So in order to heal the body, there there are specific requirements. Circulation respiration, which is what we've talked about with the Mm -hmm. yoga, you get circulation and respiration, your blood moves and your breath moves. And then you need relaxation, which you get from getting rest and and meditating, resting your mind, reducing stress, and then nutrition, the fourth element to healing yourself without medication, but to self-healing, those four elements are essential, required. You cannot heal your own body. You have to have circulation, respiration, relaxation, nutrition. Totally agree. So give us an example of you what you might eat. Well, I mean, I, you know, I have a really great metabolism because I do my yoga. My yoga keeps my body moving, you know, my body's rhythms moving effectively. And so I, and Carrie, you know, we eat together a lot. I don't really deny myself 
of any of life's pleasures. I really enjoy, you know, the palate. I really do. I ha- But the, the key and the secret is a balance of those four things that I just told you. I move my body. I rest my body. I, I do breathing exercises. And I eat, truthfully, a balance, a balanced diet. So I don't deny myself of any food. You know, as long as I'm moving and I'm uh, active uh, and I'm, I'm making wise choices about my food, then I, I feel like a balanced diet is the best choice. But, you know, for somebody who wants like tips, make sure you're eating a colorful, you know, your, your plate has a lot of color on it. You want, you want something from every food group every day. I eat fats, I eat uh, vegetables, I eat, and uh, you know, I eat proteins, I eat grains every single day. Um, I, I do, I do favor a vegetarian diet because that's what works for my body. I avoid meat just because it's hard for my body to process and digest. So I don't eat meat. Uh, I do eat seafood because seafood is very palatable I can digest it easily and um, I, I I do incorporate like smoothies and juices I, I uh, make my own smoothies my favorite is to combine um, about a cup and a half two cups of greens and you can choose whatever greens you like and then a half of a like a pear or an apple for some sweetness and some fruit juice, uh, a half of an avocado, which is great for your skin and your nervous system, four tablespoons of lemon juice, mm, fresh squeezed. This is all sounds so good. Yeah. Uh, which is, <laughs> yeah, and then a squeeze or two of some local honey, and then a couple of tablespoons of some... Uh, flax seed or some chia seed or some sesame seed um, and then maybe like a cup of water and a half a cup of ice or if you prefer to add some dairy or some like almond milk I don't like that I just like to use the water and then I do like a a quarter t- a teaspoon of uh, guar gum to give it some I'm grounded in a Mediterranean diet yeah, the one we had so, yes. prior to our meeting here. Yes. So like <laughs> olive, so olives, yes. <laughs> lemons, artichokes, olive oils, cheeses, pita bread, which has no fat and no sugar. Just, you know, stuff like that. It was all such a treat. Yeah. Thank you. Y'all all should have been here. It was good. <laughs> we, we, we had a good time. Oh, we did. Okay. So yeah, I know y'all aren't here, but. I tell you what, Cheryl is in great shape. I don't even question her diet one iota. So she's just one beautiful woman inside and out. So, um, so Cheryl, being raised by a pastor, you know, you incorporate scripture into your practice. Yes. And so what's your, just curious, what's your favorite scripture Well, that just speaks to you so deeply? It's hard for me to pick a favorite, but I was inspired by your favorite. So you share your favorite first, and then I'm going to say why I decided to expound on your favorite. Absolutely. So Philippians 4, 6 through 7, and because I'm such, I tend to be such a worrier sometimes, you know, being a mom of three, 
Um, of course, my kids were adults, and I still worry about them. But um, so, it, it, of course, it's don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. Amen. So, what I want to share is that that entire chapter of the Bible, Philippians four, really is an exhortation to my mission as a yoga teacher. And I'm going to share the scriptures from that chapter that are so meaningful to me. All right. So the first verse of Philippians 4 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace be with you. Amen. Amen. Cheryl. Thank you so much for being here today. This just about wraps it up. I, I just appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge with us. And it's been a blast hanging out with you. Yes. Thank you for sharing your story and your family story and opening up the way you did. It's just so precious to so many people, I'm sure. It would just inspire a lot of people and touch a lot of people's lives. I'm looking forward to traveling to Hilton Head, girl, to hang out with you at the beach. Um, You're going to be leaving out soon, like on Friday? Yes, I'm going to be embarking on a teaching tour around the United States. That's exciting. So follow me on Instagram, Shay Alexander, C-H-E-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R, or on Facebook, Cheryl Anthony Alexander and watch my travels and see the you know the lives of the people that I engage with it's going to be really profound and amazing and I'm so grateful well we are sure going to miss you here in Texas I'm going to miss my time my little lunches but I'll come out there okay I know you will I know and you know I know you'll continue to change the lives of many and spread joy wherever you go You're so precious to me. The same girl. Love you. Love you too. Thank you again for being a guest on the Healthy Brain Podcast, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.